Welcome to the Why Weight Elevate podcast, where we share key information to help you lose weight the right way and then transition to a lifestyle that helps you keep it off. Hi, everybody. Quincy here with Ron and Cheryl. Today's podcast, we're actually going to do a review of an article that came out at our local newspaper here in Utah, um, KSL, but it's referencing an article, I think it actually came through the Associated Press from New York. And it's, it's a review of a study that the CDC from the United States released regarding childhood obesity during the pandemic. And as a kind of a basic overview of it, before we start discussing in depth and our thoughts about it, uh, it basically, they did a research study where they looked at 432,000 kids and teens from ages two to 19 who were weighed and measured at least twice before the pandemic started and at least once in the early stages of the pandemic. So recognizing it only, you know, the sample size only included people who had actually gone to the doctor before. And so everybody who hadn't was excluded. It also didn't look at racial ethnic groups to see how that changed. The key takeaways that they found from this was one, that an estimated 22% of children and teens were obese last August up up from 19% a year earlier. So there was a 3% increase overall in obesity rates for children and teens in the time frame of the pandemic. Before the pandemic, children who were healthy weight were gaining an average of 3.4 pounds per year, and that rose to 5.4 pounds during the pandemic, so an extra two pounds per child. Kids who were in the moderately obese category, they were expected their expected weight gain rose from 6.5 pounds a year before the pandemic to 12 pounds after the pandemic began, so almost double. And then severely obese kids were expected an annual weight gain went from 8.8 pounds to 14.6 pounds. And they said the rate will be increased most dramatically in kids ages 6 to 11. And I think those are the, the big key takeaways. What are your guys' thoughts? What are your impressions about that? Um, I think this is very consistent. What we've seen throughout the entire pandemic is that obesity rates are skyrocketing. And this isn't a surprise. When you, it's, it's like you've got this hot furnace of um, complications. You've got an environment where there was no exercise. Mm-hmm. People were locked up, so there's no socialization. Um, and easy access food, which is high in processed crap that we were all eating. Um, and then you throw in those stress factors. And of course, like everybody's weight just skyrocketed. It's not just these kids. I mean, we saw it in the adult population also. Yeah. I'd almost argue the pediatric, it reflects the adult. Uh, oh, absolutely. Population. Definitely. Yeah. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, again, we all were growing, but again, <laughs> going like Cheryl says is we kind of affected all those different aspects, but we already had a p- growing problem anyway. And, the problem is we weren't doing much about it because the things we were doing, we were having a gradual incline, if you call that, but the pandemic just kind of exacerbated the whole problem. By so we had an epidemic of obesity rates increasing in the United States. They got exacerbated by the pandemic. Yes. Right. An epidemic with the pandemic. Exactly. Epidemics everywhere. <laughs> in a way, the perfect storm or the worst type of storm type of an idea with everything coming together, and it hasn't slowed down. So what, why is it concerning that there's this, you guys are seeing this increase in pediatric rates? From, as practitioners, what are, your, what are your impressions? Why is this bad? Can they, they just fix it? Excuse me, sorry, I didn't mean to catch you off. There are so many long-term complications that come from obesity, both behavioral, mental, psychologically, physically. The complications are numerous. Okay. And, you're, and not only that, um, prior generations, we saw obesity happening at later ages. Now we're seeing it in our 6 to 11-year-olds and yeah. younger. That's a problem because that means they're going to carry those complications with them for even longer. 
And what are some examples of that, the complications that can happen from that? Sorry, I cut you off, Dr. Rigby. Well, complications of diabetes, um, early death, heart attacks, um, dementia, worsening cancer. So if we're seeing it, we're starting to have that problem in younger kids, we're going to have our healthcare system can't support it. We're having a hard time supporting it now. It's just going to get worse. Actually, I was seeing, looked at something the other day online. It was just the pictures. If back in the 70s, which I, I'm old, but I was mm-hmm. growing up then. I wasn't as old as these people, but they had people walking around the beach. If you scan the picture, you don't see very many big people. They, the second picture was 2020. They had a bunch of people. They had about 50 people on there. And 90 85 to 90% of them were overweight, if not obese. Okay. So again, yes, you can always adjust those pictures and always manipulate those things. I totally understand that. But the problem is a huge growing problem. And now we're getting kids early, started earlier, having the same problem. And those kids are products of heavier parents. And studies have shown that the parents, if they were heavier when they got pregnant, if there's one parent, the risk goes up. If you have two parents, that goes up even higher. So the kid's at higher risk. And then we raise them in this high carb environment, fast food. Then we add the pandemic on top of it. Everything is just, again, like we said, that perfect storm getting worse and everything there's nothing obviously turning things around, or at least we haven't decided or haven't found a good solution for it yet. And I'm going to call the parents out on this one. That's okay. on you. Um, we, we saw the uh, double increase with the 6 to 11-year-olds. Who's feeding them? Well, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not them. I, I mean, they, they shouldn't be feeding themselves mm-hmm. at that point. That's on, that's on the parents. You're feeding them. Yeah. Exactly. The parents buy it, but, um, but the, not that I want to defend the parents, but the parents, a lot of times were doing work from home. So they're now supposed to be on their computer. Not they're ignoring their kids who were supposed to usually at school or going to school. Not that they aren't responsible, but they have somebody else kind of watching it. Now they're at home. They're trying to work. They're trying to be a parent. They're trying to be the principal. They're trying to do all this stuff. And then they don't do the things they need to take care of the kids. So they now get on their phone and go, oh, you're hungry. We'll have something delivered in 15 minutes. Eat it while I finish up with this meeting or whatever. We've got this, all this technology, which it can be beneficial, making it worse for our health. Things are really exacerbated, right? Right. Yes. So if I'm a parent, I'm sitting here in this situation, um, maybe if I'm feeling guilt or maybe not, just recognizing that it was a challenging time. And right. uh, what can I do? In this situation, and um, Cheryl shared an article with us from the what is it, American it, Academy of Nurse Practitioners, American Association, American yeah. Association of Nurse Practitioners. Uh, we think in response to the CDC article, yeah. correct? Cheryl, would you be willing to talk a little bit about that and maybe kind of what recommendations they gave for parents to help children with the increased obesity rates? Yeah, and, and it's nothing like earth-shattering or groundbreaking. There's nothing that I can share that you don't already know. It comes down to provide healthy food for these kids. Okay. Have it in the house. Get rid of the sugary, the high-carb, the high-processed food. Get it out of the house. If it's not there, they're not going to get to it. Um, and then I, I think this is so important. This is where I push my pediatric population is we got to get them moving. Okay. And now is a really good time to figure out what they enjoy. If they hate soccer, get them out of soccer. Let's try something else. Try so many things until they figure out the one thing that they really enjoy because they're going to have to do that. You have to be physically active your entire life. 
And you're going to get the habits now if you're a little, if you're exactly. younger, so you're going to be more likely to do it in the future. But if you don't have that habits, you're probably not, you're less likely. Right. Another risk of having this yeah. happen. And the goal for these kids is not to lose weight. The goal for these kids is to have them maintain their weight, but then as they grow, yep. then everything will kind of lean out. So the goal is not an active weight loss. Let's not even get into the diet culture. The goal okay. is to maintain weight. Yes. And let them naturally, normally progress through their their stages. Yeah. So how do, you got to be careful, right? You got to be careful with body image situations. Mm-hmm. You want to be careful not making them super conscious about this, but also re- helping them recognize that they need to be healthy, that they need to maybe, oh, I need to eat better. I need to exercise more. Mm-hmm. Um, the article also mentions adequate sleep, reducing yes. sedentary time. Right. I mean, it talks about exercise, but even just getting away. I know during the pandemic, it was easy just to stick your kids in front of the TV during that meeting or on their, right. on their iPad or their tablets and, but maybe getting them out and getting them moving instead of doing but, more. But yes, so being more active, being out in the sun, setting less time in front of screens. But like Cheryl brought up, doing something they like to do. So if they want to try a different thing, do it. They don't have to be organized. You can go to the park and play baseball or throw a ball around or kick a ball around or just run around or just if their kids are bouncing off their wall, take them someplace so they don't destroy your house. (laughs) Which they will. And you walk around the park a little bit and just watch them. So again, you're being more physically active. The kids are being more physically active. And, but then again, part of it is also making sure they're getting adequate sleep. Again, younger kids need more sleep as they're growing, Mm -hmm. but also exercise is a great stress reliever for the kids. Yes, they have stress, and the idea of wearing a mask everywhere they go has shown to cause some stress. But the idea of, at least last year, when a lot of them weren't in school, they didn't get their time away from you, so they need some time away from you. You need time away from them, but to kind of work at all these different aspects to try to help. And again, unfortunately, we all have been taught to turn to food to deal with the emotional issues. Yeah. And most of us aren't going, ooh, let's have a hard-boiled egg because I don't feel very good or I'm stressed. It's more of the refined sugar. I saw something recently. If, if it wasn't around 150 years ago, don't eat it. Cheerios were not around oh, stop. back then. Come on. <laughs> yeah, something I kind of want to highlight as a mother of three daughters, um, and I see this quite often in my practice, is you'll have a, a, a mother and a father who are very healthy, and, and they exhibit all of these healthy behaviors and lifestyle and everything like that. But then they've got like one or two of these kids who really struggle with obesity. Yeah. And w- genetics will play a part and a role and whatnot. Um, and what do they do? I mean, I, I put blame on the parents earlier in this podcast. Yes, yes that was did. a little harsh. But so what do you do when you're in that situation? You're already exemplifying all of these lifestyle behaviors that we want. Mm-hmm. What do you do with these these kids who are struggling without giving them a complex or an eating disorder or whatnot? Yeah. Well, I've got, I'm, I'm in that situation. And one of my daughter, my, my daughter, but my, my son's also had the issue. And again, my situation is a little bit different because two of my kids are adopted and two are biological. So I've got this whole environment and I have some of those issues and I'm not saying I've got the right answers. And obviously a parent, you're always like, Oh, I'm doing it right. But part of it is get the kids involved with some of those decisions about the food let them make some decisions. What type of foods do we want to try to have? Okay. If you're going to have a carbohydrate or a treat, which one, what can we do to limit? What do you think we should do? What do they get them involved? Because it's their health. So if they're involved, 
it's less likely to go, oh, you can't have that. Oh, you can't have that. We don't want to tell people that. We want to go, let's put the right type of fuel, okay? What does this break into your body? What does it do versus this? And again, as a parent, not knowing some of this, it's hard. It's like, I'm just trying to get my kid to eat something, period. Oh, I know. Yeah, I got Trying like to that. move away <laughs> from that to try to, maybe you need to start learning a little bit of nutrition and trying to get away from the process stuff. So start with yourself, but don't try to shame them into making decisions, but get them involved with, we're going to try to, once a week, we're going to make a family dinner. What do you guys want to make? Okay, it's spaghetti. How can we change this a little bit? Maybe we're having some vegetables that we're putting in the spaghetti sauce and have a little less pasta with it. Maybe we're going from the cheap put spaghetti, spaghetti that's how my spaghetti. kids say it that's exactly. how my kids say it <laughs> to maybe the the whole wheat or the protein again it still breaks into sugar at the cellular level but you're starting to make those little adjustments yeah maybe i'm starting not trying to say you can't eat it but let's start with a smaller plate or a bowl let's have it let's have that discussion after you're done eating let's wait 5 10 15 minutes before you go back and get another one so start incorporating some of these behavioral simple behavior aspects versus you can't have something as soon as you say you can't have it they're going to want it i know and that's my problem is i tend mm-hmm. to do that a lot and i need to not be careful about it. we're not supposed to eat that we're not supposed to do that but you need to be careful with yeah being open and just saying hey well and then, sorry, I interrupted you, Dr. Rigby. And again, a lot of times, especially if no, we're here just having a discussion, but from a parent also is maybe approach it. And I always tell my patients, tell your kids that you need their help to make changes in yourself. And when they eat those certain foods or whatever, it makes it harder for you. So can we not have those certain foods in the house? So if they start understanding that the parents have some of those issues and they're trying to work through these issues, it might make it easier for the kids to make some of those better conscious decisions. Right, and I would say try to make your activities, um, your celebrations, holidays, whatnot, try and separate it from food. Yes. So instead of let's have, you know, a big... uh, uh, pot roast. I don't know what people do for celebrations. Pot roast. Um, maybe we have the we go go karting or we go to the park and we play tag or make it more physically active and more of an experience than just associating everything with food. And, like and going along with that, everybody we always turn to food as a reward. Oh, you did really good on your in your game or whatever, or you did well in your test. There's nothing wrong with a reward. Doesn't have to be food. So kind of like Cheryl's doesn't yeah. have to the yeah. the social engagements doesn't have to be food. The rewards doesn't have to be food. Do things together. Spend time together. Do different activities. Try something you guys think would be a good idea or go try something. You're going, I've never thought I would like that. You might like it. You might not. You, you never know till you try it. Right. And one other thing as well is we have a, a seven day program um, that we offer that teaches you better mindful eating mm-hmm. and how to be more thoughtful and, and in your eating practices, help you overcome stress eating. And I think that might be helpful as well as just being more mindful about what you're putting in your body. And I think you just talking openly with your kids saying, Hey, look, I'm struggling with this or everybody's different. So just because Sally can eat like this and she has no, like it looks like she has no issues. You know, we got to learn your body and listen to your body. And, mm-hmm. and then the, this program that we have can help you teach you how to listen to your cues and teach your kids as well. But you'll reference that in the show notes. But as the parent, you're kind of in charge. Not that you're getting blamed, but it's just more of you need to take the lead in these decisions. It's true. Yep. Thank you, everybody. 
Thanks for joining us on the Why Wait Elevate podcast. We want to hear what you think about this episode and encourage you to continue the discussion in our Facebook group. The name of the group is Community of People Elevating Their Mind and Body to Lose Weight. Or you can search for our Facebook page, Why Wait Elevate, and our group is linked on that page. Also, if you found this episode to be helpful, can you share it with your friends that you think would appreciate listening to it? And if you found our podcast to be helpful, we would love it if you could leave us a review. It really helps others hear about this podcast, and we really want to help as many people as we can. Thank you.